It has allowed us to create a deeper connection with ourselves as individual, being able to go into the darkness and traverse all the areas of BDSM and kink that feel good to us. So then when we go out into the world to help our communities, we feel embodied. We feel like we're the dark and the light and can be that much more impactful together and separately. I'm Alexa, and you're listening to That Sex Check, a Soulfire production. Mic check, one, two, one, two. All right. Ah, yay. Another delicious, juicy, dynamic episode of That Sex Check, y'all. This one a personal friend and connection is coming onto the show that I was actually on. So first off, we were Instagram friends and she would share every now and then the show, that sex chick. And I'm like, I don't know who this person is, but I feel like we would really vibe. Come to find out, we have a lot of mutual connections. Some of my best friends are also her best friends. And it's just one of those small world kind of experiences. We were able to meet in person. And of course, it was like, I knew I was going to vibe with you as much as I actually vibe with you. Uh, I was invited onto Taylor's show and and her podcast. And you know, I, I was showing up like, yeah, this is great. I'm going to do my thing. And as I'm talking, I realize I'm equally as interested in everything that's happened in her life as she's interested in my life and as she's asking me the sex questions, because I'm like, you know, the person that you bring on to your podcast to talk about the sex thing. I'm like, oh my gosh, you have incredible knowledge through experience too. So by the time we wrapped me as a guest on her show, I was like, I have to have you on that sex chick. We got to talk about your story. I have so many people come on to the show that are experts in their own right regardless of, you know, like there's all kinds of different subject matter, whether it's Tantra or it's BDSM or it's kink or it's ethical non-monogamy or something like that. I do get pieces of their stories, but they are professionals in the space. They're helping people in, in those specific spaces. And I feel like we could use more plain old story, like people sharing this is my tried and true experience start to finish. And this is what I learned. And this is where I had a hiccup. This is where I tripped over some sticks. This is where I had a hard veer to the right. This is where I had the major breakthrough. And holy shit, I didn't even know that this much pleasure was available. And so I want to dig into all of that with you, Taylor. Thank you for coming onto the show. Thank you for having me. I am so excited, fellow Leo, yeah. uh, to to dive into all the juiciness that I know will will unfold for us. <laughs> yeah, lots of fire here. So, Taylor, before we I start getting into all the questions that I've been holding for several months while this podcast has been planned, <laughs> um, I would love for you to share a little bit of your essence, a little bit of who you are and what you do in the world, and then we'll take it from there. Mm, I love that the word essence. I'm like, Ooh, that like turns me on. What is my essence? Um, what I do, uh, what I bring to the world is I help women navigate their shadows. I go into the dark feminine, into the chaos, into the anarchy, into the shame, and really help women alchemize it into sexual liberation, into sexual liberation, into wealth, into truly being whoever the fuck they want to be. So doing the dance with their shadow self, doing the dance with their light self equally and realizing how powerful we are as women 
when we let that dark feminine run and we let that wild woman be exposed and we let that light feminine show up in her glory. So that's like, that's, that's my juice of helping women bring together all parts of themselves and love, like fucking love, like salivate over all parts of themselves. So that, that's my jam in person, online, all the things. Um, my essence as a human, my essence as a human, I'm, I'm going to give an answer. That's a new answer. Um, I recently did some, some Bufo ceremonies just last week in real time. And the message that came through is perfect answer for this is I became an off you retrieved a bufo. Um I'm, my womb became the womb of the, the world, the world became my womb, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, like, you know, yada, 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 bufo. And so <laughs> and so I kept hearing, like, I am the bird, I am this. And I'm like, oh, I am whatever the fuck I want to be. And like that's really my essence as I am the bougie, I am the barefoot in the jungle, naked, actually rolling around the mud. That's what I do best. But I also wear Louis Vuittons. So I am whatever the fuck I want to be, whenever the fuck I want to be it. That's my essence. So <laughs> good. And so for those of you who don't know this, this thing that she said, Bufo, uh, we're talking about DMT. Yep. Yeah, yep, a DMT. Toad. Yeah, yep. Toad. Um, is it technically 5-MEO? I'm at 5-MEO-DMT. So my 5-MEO-DMT experience, I did not turn into the womb, turn into the earth, turn into the bird, turn into anything and everything that I am. And my uh, 5-MEO-DMT experience, I watched my entire world burn, turn into ash, turn into ash and fall away. Like literally, I just saw structures all around me just like turn to ash and then just like turn to dust. I, yeah. So mine was profound in a different way (laughs) because I- I've had the blackouts as well. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, because then I was like, that then led me to have like incredible emotions that I didn't know were bottled all up. And then that led me to going, oh my gosh, I'm choosing, I'm choosing solo poly you know, dating people in different places because it's based on control and fear. And I'm choosing not to have a family all out of fear. Like I had a really powerful, you know, 5-MEO experience that I was like, I never want to do that again. That's the most awful thing I've ever experienced in my whole fucking life. And then it led to massive change. Yeah. Massive, massive change. I actually met Jordan a couple months after I did that. So anyway, sex and psychedelics are my favorite topics. So, okay. And I would love, because I've met your husband and Jordan is very fond of your husband. I would love if you told, just, just sprinkling a little bit about your mans as well. I love him. Um, What's he up to? He really is my perspective. He's bridging the, the the gap with men, like men, men that like go to the gym. I am man. I lift weights. Like I am too cool for emotions. I am too cool for meditation because I am a dude and he's bringing them on this bridge into spirituality. So I dub him the spiritual warrior. He, he works with medicine. He, he meditates, but his outside, when you first look at him, you're like, He's probably just like a normal douchebag, like a dude. He's covered in tattoos. He's got a beard. He's got a ponytail, like all the things. And he's a big dude. And then when you get to know him, you're like, oh, oh my God, you're like the sweetest fucking human. Um, And so he's really out in the world giving men permission 
to like, let's drop the walls. Like he's a spec ops army ranger. He used, he served in six to seven different battles. He was the door kicker downs, not like just holding the gun. He was actually frontline ninja status, like not talked about on the news kind of that squad. And so when men meet him and they learn about his history, there was an immediate respect. And so what he's done is he's been able to meet the dude, dude, where he's at, get the respect of like, oh, I trust you. Like you, you saved, you know, the U S on our behalf. Therefore I can probably listen to you. So yeah, he's, he's really out there being a spiritual warrior. Yeah. Yeah. Jordan's yeah. very fond of him. <laughs> I heard it, he, Jordan. When, when he, when he was in town, when Johnny was in town, um, Jordan is like, I'm going to go meet Johnny at Sun Life. <laughs> or something. It was something so like that. Cute. I think that's where I they went. Them. I think that's where they went yeah. because at first, you know, I didn't know how that was going to go down. I had never met Johnny. And then he comes back. He's like, that dude's awesome. <laughs> you know, and likewise, likewise. And Jordan's very much like, you know, as far as where his background, where he comes from being in the fraternity. So he's very much the, he's got a different lens or perspective he perceives as people from the outside looking in you know people from the outside looking yeah. him and are like this pretty boy this frat guy this you know he's probably used the term douchebag which is not my favorite term but you know people use that term yeah. too and it's like oh he he can't possibly be in touch with his emotions be kind to women understand energy work with plant medicine respect earth respect women in all creation it's not possible and then you get to know jordan and he's going to share all of those things, but with a lot of humor and borderline political incorrectness. And then Johnny's probably got a little something, something, you know, layered on top of that too. All that too. So, yeah. <laughs> and both of these lights in the world have attracted women like us that I haven't had very many conversations, especially with the, sh you know, on the show where someone's talking about the dark feminine. You know, you said I work with women in the dark feminine and the light feminine, and then you gave a little bit of a descriptor. And so I want to veer into a bit more of your story and how you even got to be so closely connected to the, the dichotomous nature of humans in general, but specifically women, um, because I, you know, I often will describe myself as the, the Jordan is the bright ray of sunlight and I am the moody clouds. So, and, and not that that's what we always are all the time, but you know, I'm, I'm just, he looks at me as like this creature, this kind of, I'm in touch with that dark edge and I revel in it. I revel in the seductive, dark, what sorceress, what can I create? And I, and, and that kind of thing. And he looks at it like kind of moth to flame. Like, I don't know, I'm going to get close to her and I'm probably going to burn alive or it's going to be the greatest experience I've ever had. So I really resonate with what you share yeah. and how you share it. And I know that there's so many people that are listening now. They're like, cool for y'all. Or like, <laughs> I want to hear more or I don't get it. So I would love if you share a bit about your journey and then how you started piecing these things together. Um, I, first of all, I feel so seen. I'm like, Johnny's like the moth, the fire. Like, why do I enjoy this? And it's like, <laughs> um, keep enjoying it. Yeah. For, for me, um, I grew up in a household that didn't talk about emotions. I grew up in a household where arguments happened in front of us and then fixed behind the doors. I grew up where if you cried, you got sent to your room to process it along. So we just, I didn't know how to process anger 
and, and, and sadness and grief and pain. I was bullied consistently growing up for being too much, for being the weirdo, for being different. And I'd always make my way into the popular circle, but it was like an effort to be seen, an effort to be acknowledged. And I was an expert morpher into whatever people wanted me to be. And it always worked. Well, years of morphing to how people wanted me to be and losing touch with who I actually was, which I never figured out, um, led me into repressing pretty much all of my darker emotions. And so come, you know, high school and into college, I went through a few traumatic experiences that, that brought up a lot of dark emotions that I then didn't know how to process. So I was sexually abused by my father growing up. Um, he was a, a narcissist, also a pastor at the same time. So like double fucking dose. Mm. And so I didn't know that, that he was living multiple lives until I was about 24 years old. I worshiped this man, all the things as, as we do for our fathers. And then at the same time of learning that he was having all these affairs and sleeping with parishioners and, 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 and it kind of all unfolded how much I've been gaslit for 20, 24 years. Same with my family. The same time, my nephew, who I helped raise the first couple months of his life, ended up dying really tragically, unnecessarily. And I was, I was there a few hours later, like held him. And so that was traumatic. So I had two very traumatic things happen within a month of each other. And so what happened, because we don't talk about feelings in my family, we don't, we just like process it and move on. And I, I, I helped raise this little boy and I'm like, what, what the fuck is going on? And then the dad thing, I'm like, what is happening? So I went back, just kind of processed it on my own before my spiritual awakening, went back to college and just went, I lost it. I was drinking every single night, all the cocaine, all of the sex all over the manipulation, everything to get people to like check on me. No one checked on me. And so about a year and a half, two years of doing this, I ended up then getting married out of college to a man who like rescued me, who took care of me in the mess that I am and the crazy person that I am. Well, if he could take care of me with my family falling apart and this chaotic person that I am, then he must be my soulmate. Well, ended up being another version of my dad, um, manipulative gaslighting. I then have now at this point, 25, 26 years of repressed anger. So much so that I ended up actually the bubble popped and I became a, a rager. I was a hitter. I would break things. I would punch my ex-husband. I would, any fight, I'd pick up anything close by, slam it to pieces because I just no one was listening to me. No one was hearing me. Um, and there was a point when I was eating all the food, addicted to food, shoving my feelings down. I remember there being a point where I'm sitting in our, in our TV room with my ex-husband, having just broken a vase, ate an entire box of Oreos, and just thinking, where did I go? I remember this little version who grew up on 60 acres in Colorado talking to trees, covering glitter, like wearing unicorn, everything singing. And she was just so, she was like a little fairy. She was so happy, so giddy, so beautiful. Like, where did she go? Like, 
I am not her anymore. And so the next day, I submitted myself into anger management and Overeaters Anonymous on the same day to, to get help. Because I just, I, I felt so helpless. Like, well, if no one is checking on me, no one cares about how I feel or how chaotic my life is. I have to then help myself. So that's when then what brought me down the path of self-development and taking responsibility. And then I became obsessed with learning about psychology. Like, how did I get here? How did I let this happen? What can I do to, to navigate this new life? And before I know it, I had my spiritual awakening and learned about the chakras and learned about shadow work and shame and, and Dr. Joe Dispenza and all these things to now where I'm at, where I'm like, oh, got it. One, I had to go through all of that. Like I turn my mess into my message is what I fully believe a lot of us do, especially as the wounded healers that we are for, for birth, birth chart people. Um, being the wounded healer, I needed to go through that to, to traverse the, the darkness, to traverse like what shame and actual anger looks like. And especially for a woman on the outside, and I was during that anger management, I was working on Capitol Hill. I used to work on the Capitol in the government, in politics. I looked the part. I've always looked on the outside. I'm, you know, blonde hair, always wearing nice things put together, but on the inside, a mess. So I've, I've learned to how to kind of change the stereotype of just because on the outside, someone looks the part, we never know what they're processing inside. Mm. Mm. I imagine there's so many people that are listening to that where, of course, they didn't have exactly the same unfolding that you did, but there's, oh, that happened in my world. That happens a little bit differently in my world. And you know what I mean? Like there's so many people that can see themselves or feel themselves in your story, even just that chunk of your story, because of course more has happened since then. I'm really curious because I, I get this question every so often. You know, our our brand, Sex and Love Co., is about sex, love, and relationships. But I think if people have been listening to the podcast up to this point, or they follow us on social media, or they're on our email list or something, they realize that it's much bigger than just some sex tips or like here's something that can help your relationship or here's a new way to love. We're heavy in personal development. And you said something really specific. You said uh, I learned to take responsibility. And then you said something to the effect of had, had spiritual, your spiritual awakening. And some people are, are listening and they're maybe curious about these things. Maybe they wouldn't say that they've had the spiritual awakening. Maybe they're just starting to understand taking personal responsibility. I'm curious if you could give, shine a little bit more light on what that looked like specifically for you. Yeah. Totally great question. For me, the book. The power of now. I knew you were going to say that. That was mine too. <laughs> oh, of course it was. Changed my world. Shocker. <laughs> that fucking book. Like every like I get asked this question of like, what was the book? What was the thing? I'm like, this book, The Power of Now. I don't even have my original copy. I don't know where the fuck it went, but it just appeared in my life. I remember reading it. I was like reading it probably during a lunch break at my miserable nine to five job. 10 pages in, I was just like, what? All that, all that matters is now not, not my dad molesting me, not me breaking shit, not my job, not what I'm going to do in the future. Like all that matters is now. And I remember that moment. I'm like, well, if all that matters is now, then I guess how I perceive this moment and how I choose to show up in this moment 
is all that fucking matters. So when it kind of like, it was this like smack in the face of, oh, oh, really all that matters is now. Therefore, in this moment, how can I find love for myself right now? In this moment, how can I take radical fucking responsibility for all the times I've been the dick, that I've been the asshole, that I've been the bitch, like that I've been the abuser? Like, how can I take responsibility for my actions up until now? And that was like, that book was like this vortex of really owning if I want to be a better person from here on every now moment moving forward, my only fucking job is to really be present, tune into how I'm showing up, what I'm choosing to attract. If I want to continue to attract lack and victimhood and blame, then yeah, every moment I'm going to make sure that I'm like, I'm a victim. Woe is me. Wait, we all love to wear the victim blanket. There's some days where I'm like, I am cozy as fuck in my victim blanket. Great. But then I remember it's not going to serve me or the greater purpose. So that book, and then for my spiritual awakening, like that got me into self-development. But I remember, I don't know if you remember Tumblers. Do you remember mm-hmm. Tumblers like way back in yeah, the day? Yeah. I don't know how I came across it, maybe through Pinterest, but I came across this like beautiful um nature tumbler. And I was just like mesmerized by it. Like, God, nature's so beautiful. Like as I'm in a city in Washington, DC, and just like scrolling this tumbler, thinking, I forgot how much I love nature. I forgot that I grew up barefoot, 60 acres. Oh my God, I need to get out to nature. And I would just, I would go camping on the weekend and was just immersing myself back in nature. And then my spiritual awakening just kept happening because I was in grass and around trees. Our favorite place to shop for crystal, glass, and metal toys is Yoni Pleasure Palace. Sacred squirters, cervix serpents, Yoni eggs, prostate massagers, anal plugs and beaded wands, G-spot massagers, and something Jordan and I use all the time and even travel with, our plush, velvety, waterproof blanket. Every product feels so special when it comes from YPP. It's probably because of the care that is taken not only in the development of the toy, but in the packing and delivering of the toy. When you collect, because it's definitely a collection of sexy works of art, when you collect a new item, it comes with not only information on how to use it, but to also respect and revere it, along with cultivating respect and reverence for your own body and your own sexuality. I can't sing YPP's praises enough to add to your collection, visit yonipleasurepalace.com and make sure to use the code thatsexchick, all one word, at checkout for 10% off your order. And pretty please, if you share your items on social media, tag me. I'd love to see what you choose and celebrate you. Nature, that's something that I'm learning more and more in my 30s, more than anything. Uh, just recently went on a trip to Peru And that was the deepest I'd felt connected to mother nature. And that is such a trip to, to feel authentic and embodied gratitude and love for the mother is really, really special. I've said it a lot. I've, I've been a part of ceremonies and different things, but, but to the, the degree that I've recently felt her and then getting to spend a lot of time at our friend's ranch, um, out in Smithville in Texas. Now, you know, getting to interact with it, you know, walking the property and then 
almost stepping on a baby fawn because she's like little tiny curled up and blends in with the with the brush and then just going oh my god and it's like you know just the feels it's the feels i'd never i never had that growing uh growing up so i would say like my my experience with awakening and earth and nature and all of that is definitely happening post 30 like the deeper connection but i i definitely the power of now i had the same thing i do know who wound up lending it to me it was an audio and it was one of the first audio books i'd ever listened to and this person was like please listen and i was like i'm going that way you know, and, but, but it was like, take it and you'll listen when you're ready kind of thing. And my life was in shambles. I had just had surgery, uh, was in a relationship that I was way long overdue for it to get, for it to end and traveling the world. I was in Trieste in Italy for a build of a ship when I was living on ships. And there was a long walk from the ship to like restaurants and things because it's a port city. So it's like kind of gray and lots of buildings and just like ships everywhere. And so it was this walk between the ship and the restaurant kind of common area in the town that I would, I started listening. And a lot of times I was more or less by myself or I would pull myself away from the group to listen. And here I am with Eckhart Tolle's voice in my ears talking about the voice in my head. And I'm like, I am the source of all of my suffering. And it was, it was pretty quickly after that, that I, I couldn't ignore. I must change my environment. I must change the situation. That my suffering is a, is a series of choices that I have made. So taking radical and personal responsibility, I'm going to change this thing. Of course, I had some stuff to process. And then I started learning eventually over time what's, what bypassing is like, you know what? I'm just going to choose to think something different. And so I'm going to skip over processing these emotions and just go to the better emotion. I learned later how to handle that. But at first I felt really empowered. <laughs> and then I went back yeah. and, and processed all the stifled, repressed emotions from years of just overriding my system and going, I'm going to keep continue. I'm going to continue uh, choosing things that I know are not great for me. So, um, can't underline that book enough. Of course, it's not for everybody. Most like a lot of people that I, I, you know, it's kind of dense, a little heady. You got to read a line like four times. So just listen to it on audible. Okay. So after all of this happened, Washington, DC, you check into the things and the stuff and you start on unraveling the pieces, getting closer to you. Uh, what I, I, would imagine that because you called him your ex-husband eventually there was a relationship breakdown as well yeah yeah really what I'm curious about is if you were growing and he was maybe not growing or he was used to you being in a particular way or if it was like an outgrow situation because a lot of people come to me and say that out of a partnership one's choosing to grow and one is refusing and is even upset that the other person is growing is taking it personally and is projecting and that's very challenging I'm curious about how it went down for y'all. Yeah, totally. It was a unique situation for sure. Um, he definitely had not gone through her spiritual awakening and and was supportive of mine, but neither of us were taught how to communicate. So we didn't know how to communicate our feelings, our needs. We were He was an only child. Like I was one of five. So again, neither of us knew how to share or process how we were feeling. So actually what ended up happening is 
is he ended up getting a a career change and moving um, to New, New Jersey. And I'm like, I'm not fucking moving, not happening. I stayed put in Washington, DC, ended up moving in with a girlfriend and her husband. And we kind of just started like living separate lives, like not talking about anything, not communicating that both of us were miserable and that we weren't each other's people. We did this for an entire year, never communicated what the fuck we like just started living different lives. It was like, I look back, I'm like, wow, that, that was a bizarre situation, but neither of us knew what to say. And so there there came a point where I was just like, I, I have to, I feel this need to cut ties. I don't know what that means. I was terrified to say something. He was terrified. And so finally we hopped on a phone call again, living completely different lives, thinking maybe one day we'll move in together. And we're just like, what are we, what are we doing? Like, what are we doing here? We're obviously not together anymore. We talk once a week. And so we had a conversation of maybe we're just not each other's people, but then it, it went into like a whole blame conversation and victim. Like it started off kind of, Hey, I think we shouldn't be together. And then it went to pure fire and you're the asshole. You fucked up. Blame, 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 blame. Three hours later, we just got to the conclusion of we get married too young not your, not my person. You're not my person. We, we have to get to split ways. And so that, that split ended up being amicable and you do you, I do me, but it took a whole year of us both figuring out what we wanted and not actually sharing that. But yeah, I, I definitely, I went through my journey and he didn't know how to handle that. He didn't know how to process my new thoughts, gratitude, like all these basics he wasn't doing. And I think it overwhelmed him, which caused him to project and gaslight and, and pretend like he was on the path, but then using the path against me. So it got, Mm -hmm. it got really messy, but then we were able to split different directions. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. So the journey ensued (laughs) after that. And I, journey ensued. I know, I know Jordan and I were fortunate enough to hear the play-by-play of how y'all two got together, how you and your husband now, Johnny got together. Um, and it it was very sweet. And so I don't know how much you want to share of that now of, of what you were becoming and where life led you next. And then eventually to him, um, because where I'm, where I'm leading us is to the story. Some of the stories that I was hearing you share when I was on your show, when you were asking me about kink and asking me about BDSM, but then you also had things to share on the subject. So I know that at some point your path leads you into kink and leads you into DS and leads you into exploring and, and leveraging that as personal development as well. So whatever you'd like to share leading us in that general direction, because I'm here for it. Uh, Yeah. I, I think in hindsight, what was, what I was able to do to be the most important thing I had to was able to do before meeting Johnny was clearing and learning how to work with my anger. Like I knew when I were to meet my King, I had to figure out a way to work with my anger, not against it, not shoving it down because that wasn't working. Like that just wasn't working. And so in the in-between of, of getting divorced and meeting Johnny, that's where I learned about sacred rage. That's where I learned about working with my anger. Okay, sacred rage, screaming, yelling, and I would break things and punch things, just all like lose it within a very sacred container, very intentionally. That's like punching pillows, 
throwing something and really learn to harness my fire. Because as as a Leo, a lot of fire. Plus, I have just a ton of other fire in my chart, including mm-hmm. Scorpio. So I'm I'm a very I don't like to say intense. I'm a very passionate person, and that passion can blaze a lot of fires. And so I learned how to work with that. And when I worked with that, that's what led into my sexual awakening. And once I realized, oh. Like the darkness, the shame, the anger. When I when I work with the anger, when I work with the shame and 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 release it in this beautiful way, I'm then lighter. And when I'm lighter, I'm then more tuned in with my body. And when I'm more tuned in with my body, I'm more tuned in with my womb. And when I'm more tuned in with my womb, I'm more tuned in with my sexuality. Therefore, I'm in tune with who I be, who I am how I want to show up in the world. And so when I met and called in Johnny, I learned to, to tame this fire. I learned to work with this fire. And we met, he was not in this sexual space. Um, he was still going on his self-development journey. He was kind of like a little vanilla boy in the space, but I just kept, I kept doing my work. I never, ever stopped. I never strayed from going deeper into kink and to sacred rage, into sexuality until eventually over the years, he was like, okay, like, I see what you're doing. I see how it's affecting your life. Teach me, like, bring me into this world, like baby steps. He was very intimidated. He thought he assumed BDSM and kink and the dark feminine was just like leather and whips and chains and gag balls. Like that's, he had a whole different vision in his head. He thought I'd be like tying him up and and choking him. He had a whole different vision of that. So I was able to bring him in in very like soft, intentional ways where he can learn to be a dom. He can learn to be able to own his desire to control, but in a way that brought me pleasure. That's, we got into, you know, spanking. I was spanked as a child and I'm sure we'll go into that, of that healing of that. And so now I live in this space where I have a partner who lets me go into the darkness because I, you know, a lot of women fear going into the darkness. They, I believe to be true after all the women I've worked with, women are terrified of going into their darkness because they know how powerful she is. Like the dark feminine gets shit done. She has boundaries. She does not fuck around. She shows up in her power. And so once he learned to hold space for my dark feminine, for me in that, that essence and knew that I had safety around it. I had control around it, not rageaholic, break shit, dark feminine. He then can learn to work with my dark feminine and love my dark feminine. And now that's a dance we play in what I do myself and helping women. And, and, and it has allowed us to create a deeper connection with ourselves as individual, being able to go into the darkness and traverse all the areas of BDSM and kink that feel good to us. So then when we go out into the world to help our communities, we, we feel embodied. We feel like we're the dark and the light and can be that much more impactful together and separately. So inquiring minds want to know. And the reason why I'm going to say it like this is because inquiring minds often want to know this about Jordan and I. So I was the one that was leaning more into kink, leaning more into the edge. When we, when Jordan and I first got together, 
this was the first time he came to New Orleans and visited me. And we went out the second night in New Orleans to a place called Dragon's Den. And it was risky, but we did it anyway. We both took MDMA. (laughs) And risky in a sense of you don't do the love drug with someone you just met because what might happen is like weird bond. Like it just could, it was risky. We admit that it was risky, but we both felt really solid to each other. And we were with, out with a couple of friends that also were taking it. And it was just like, it, you know, it was a set setting, checked boxes and we agreed. And I remember he was just getting down. One of the only people really on the dance floor. Most people were kind of hanging around the dance floor and I was sitting, just staring at him, admiring him. And he's just like so goofy and playful. And I remember walking up to him and he's like trying to dance with me. And I just remember having a little bit of the edge, you know, like that, that was most, that was what was most present for me. And I remember saying something to the effect of, I really like your light and all, but I really want to fuck with your dark. And he's just yeah. like dancing, like imagine him doing the Carlton, right? And he's like, cool. <laughs> All right. Dark time. Yeah. Whatever that means, you got it, you know? So, and I, and we joke and we, and we play. And like I said, like, he's like the more lighthearted, um, like even naive, in a sense, but this really beautiful kind of naivety that's like childlike in a sense. So how does, you know, for us in a relationship, people often ask us, how does this work? Like, how does this thing work? Mm -hmm. How did you enroll him in this thing? Because we have a lot of people who listen and who are clients of ours, especially in uh, women to men. Granted, Jordan has his own kind of client situation going where a lot of times it's the men because he works with men it's the men trying to you know really enroll their ladies and when i say enroll i'm not saying that they're trying to coerce they're trying to better invite create an environment that this is an authentic yes i want to play with you in this space and and you know because of who i am and being a woman i oftentimes have women that are like how do i get my husband of x amount of years to do absolutely any of this with me so I'm curious, that's my inquiring minds want to know how the hell did you do it? I love this question. I remember hearing conversations like this and being like, how do we get the men involved? So like, I, I, I hear you people. I get it. I get it on the other side. I totally hear and see you. Um, and memories coming to mind first time I brought in a paddle. Cause I mean, I am like, I, I love being spanked. I love being choked. Like, like all the, all the, like, primal animalistic shit. I'm like, get, get in me. Um, so I'm like, okay. Like he, he knew how to spank. I'm like, okay, the next step would be to bring in a paddle. So I brought in a paddle, taught him how to use it. He was like terrified of hurting me. I'm like, it's okay. Like, trust me, you're not going to hurt me. You can hit me as hard as you think. And I'm going to be like, I love it. And he, he couldn't comprehend that. And so he would like, it's okay. Like just whatever pace you want, like playful, right? It's not making it serious. I think a lot of men, my man included, terrified, terrified of hurting us, of then us like not trusting them, of being intimidated that they can't meet us where we're at, right? The masculine wants to fulfill a mission. And if the feminine gives a masculine a mission that they're intimidated by, they're fucking they don't give a fuck about sex at that point. They're terrified of failing the mission. 
And the mission is to spank us. <laughs> so I want to remind women, the, the feminine, whether you're a man or a woman, doesn't matter, the feminine, like the poor masculine, like terrified of not completing the mission. So with that, I, I got to be light and playful and it's okay. Like, let's have fun with this. You just spank me at whatever, whatever texture, temperature, like strength you want. And so he did it. He'd like check on me, like, you okay? I'm like, yep, it's all good. I love that. A little harder. He's like, okay. Like he wasn't in his body yet. And so we we want to like hold space for the man when he does that. Okay, like a little bit harder. Okay. And before he knew it, he would get harder and harder. And then you can see the shift happen in him where he was like, oh, 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 oh I like this. Oh, you like, you like this? Oh, this is, this is interesting. I like it too, but it took a little bit of dancing and softness and playfulness to get there. And then he was like, Oh, I am man. Like I am grandma. Like, and I just, it clicked in him. It just clicked. And from then on, that's where he can like, he got to then play with it. He got to embody like this dumb and, and, and be light with it and be silly with it. That, that was our promise to each other. But anytime we bring a toy in or a person or anything, like how can we make sure to make this playful and not serious? That way no one's getting in their head and we stay in our body the entire time. That's mm. how I brought him in. <laughs> you mean... You one didn't paddle create, at a time. One paddle at a time. And you mean you didn't create an environment that was filled with criticism. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. And there's times he's used a, um, like a flogger and I'm like, out a little bit, a little bit, ouch, a little bit, ouch. Like, let's try it a different way. There was never like, you fucking did it wrong. That hurts. It's like, yeah. let's try it differently. Like, Absolutely. and that's okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Cause that's, that's for sure a thing, uh, that I think some couples experience is one person really wants a thing. It's like pulling teeth to get the other person to do anything close to what the thing is that they want. And then when they do it, like you were saying, they're not in their body because they're on some level afraid of failing. Yeah. And so if they, yeah. if they don't try, then yeah. they can't really fail. Do you know what yes. I mean? Because if they actually try yeah. the thing and then they fail, whatever that means to them, then that's, um, that just hurts on a different level. Like that could potentially create something totally different that they have to process on an individual level or like, there's just so many different things that could, and then if they, if they, if they do it and then they get like, ouch, if they do it and they're not actually in their body, the other person that's receiving goes, you're not actually here. And that's not safe because you're not in your body, but how do you create an environment that gives, that gives them space to slowly go into their body? That means there's just a lot of communication. And I think more than just communication awareness, if you're the person that's inviting the partner in, then know they're probably going to be in that space for a little while. So prepare yourself, prepare your nervous system, understand your traumas and triggers that could be at play and choose ahead of time how you want to respond. You know, I've been in- Because they they are going to be in their head. Yeah. Like, and men are in their head more often, I believe, than women, right? We we typically tend to be a little more emotional in our womb. And it's like in any scenario, we, we recently brought a woman in and his biggest fear, like he doesn't ever mind me sharing this, was like to like not get a heart on and be like, 
like the pressure's on me and I don't have a boner. And like, then I'm going to be embarrassed. And then I feel like, like I'm holding space. And so him voicing that fear to me, I was able to go in and share that with her. And we were able to be playful and bring in like silliness into it and take the pressure off of him, thinking that it was about him. Cause like usually like we have a belief that the threesome, like the dude's gonna have the threesome and it's like he's gonna have his night made. And he's like, I don't want it to be about me. Like I don't want the pressure on me. And so just him communicating that, we were able that fear never came up. It was never an issue. Yeah, because you voiced it ahead of time. So yeah. yes, I think in, in all of that, enrolling a partner's voicing all the things that could maybe happen mm-hmm. and say any version that shows up, whether it shows up or something different shows up, it's perfect. And we're going to navigate yeah. it because we love each other and totally. we deserve pleasure and adventure and novelty yeah. and to go deeper into our partnership and deeper into our sexuality. Ugh. Of course, this is, you know, this is more my jam than I could ever fully articulate. So eventually Johnny was enrolled. So what has it been like since then navigating your sexuality and him discovering, because I'm sure this is definitely a thing that Jordan navigates too, is I've enrolled him and got him involved in things that I like, that I'm interested in. And so he finds his way of like, oh, I like this too. I like to give a spanking or I like to be dominant in these particular ways, but we're in a process of what is his authentic desire? Not just what am I teaching him or showing him that he also winds up kind of liking, but what does he really want? What's that been like for y'all? Yeah, it's been such a fun thing to navigate. Like I've, I've learned to just, there's always been something new that both of us want. And we're in a space right now. It's just like, what do you want? Like both of us are such open books and very open to fulfilling each other's desires with some, some things that are a hard no, um, mainly for him. He's openly sharing that. I'm like, you, I'm open for anything. Um, he's like, here's a list of a few things that I'm not open for. Um, that's totally okay. And so, yeah, it, it's really bringing in ideas. So all instead of me bringing in like every idea of our, our, our room has turned into like a sex dungeon, we like to call it. And it's like either a sex dungeon or like a lovemaking space, depending on the light or the toys. And so I'll let him decide what he wants to bring in. I'll let him like lead one night of, okay, you get to pick how we start. You get to pick what toys are involved. Is there any position that you want to try that you may be fearful of trying? And so whole voice, you know, I kind of want to like do this. Like, so maybe when we get to this position, give that a try. And if I say yes, we'll go there. So I've been letting him just kind of, cause I can come up with all the ideas. I can come up with the fantasies, like, like I can, like all, all the things I salivate over that, but also it's kind of taking away his power of him coming up with what he wants. And so, yeah, I've been learning to like, let go of the reins, like the Leo, the leader, the leader in charge, which is by nature, what we do. And so stepping back and like being in like my feminine and being in the receptive state and in my submissive and letting him pick. And it's been beautiful to witness him and like watch him really step into this like primal, like I've, I've got her because I think he had not even think he, I know he had this belief because we talked about it of like, I am a powerhouse woman. Like I've, I've built a company. I, I can hold my own. I can be independent. I don't need to hold my own. I don't need to be independent. So he's learned through our sex, our sex life and different things we practice that, oh, 
she could survive without survive without me. She could be just fine without me. But like in sex, I want her to know, like she fucking needs me. Like she needs me to tell her what she likes and what she wants. And it's been really fun to like have him in the bedroom, have that click of like, she's not who she is outside this bedroom. Therefore, like I can do whatever the fuck I want to do to her. And she can't like fight back. She can't be a boss. She can't be a coach. Like she is the submissive. So she, he's really stepped into this. I am in control. And like, she has to fucking take it. <laughs> because that's the dynamic, you know, underline that. You've chosen. Yeah. yeah, because you've chosen yeah, dynamic. that dynamic. We've chosen that. <laughs> right. As you're saying that, I'm like, I can, I can feel your turn on in that. And some people might be like, she just has to take it. That doesn't sound like, consensual. Oh no, no, no. That's predetermined consensual. Should I reach out to her? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Should I check on her? <laughs> yeah. No, that's predetermined. Exactly. That's that's the energy and the vibe that y'all like to play with, yeah. you know? And then what yeah. what what would you say are the benefits? So he treats you as such mm-hmm. in a way that you desire and that he's been able to authentically mm-hmm. step into over time and graciousness and space and all that, saying that there's probably been a time or two where it didn't go as you thought mm-hmm. it would go. And then you alchemize yeah. that and you carry on because that is life. So what have, you know, let's say he creates this environment for you. He does this thing for you. What does that lead to you being able to achieve or what does that lead to you? So achieve seems a bit more of a masculine kind of term. So what does that lead to you being able to be outside of the bedroom after the fact? Yeah. Yes. I love this question. Um, It it translates into my ability to trust him right. As the leader, I've been enabling him to just like go on my page. Like it's Taylor's world. I live in it. She gets shit done, which is exhausting. And so I've learned to trust him in the bedroom that he can take lead. I, one of my things that I've been healing on healing, um, is trusting men that they are going to do what I want them to do, but not having to enable them, manipulate them. And so it's really helped me heal my thought that I have to manipulate men to get them to take care of me. And so now he makes decisions. Now he picks, we go, even like last night, this beautiful moment happened where thank God our mutual friend, Adam is here visiting and uh, Adam's like a part of the family. He knows all the things. And, um, and Johnny last night was like, I want to go get sushi for dinner tonight. And I was like, it's like seven 30. I'm a grandma. I'm like, I'm going to be in bed at like 30 minutes. And so I'm like, actually babe, like it's a little late. And Adam goes, Johnny used his voice. He wants to go get sushi. And I'm like, you're right. You took charge. You were like, it was, it took me back. I was like, this is new. I've never heard him say, I want to go get something. And like very like declaration about it. So I paused. I'm like, whoa, interesting that I had this reaction of, I didn't make that decision. Therefore, it's not my choice. I breathe and I'm like, oh, this is what I've been wanting him to do. I've been wanting him to take control. And so the moment I surrendered, I'm like, you're right, babe. Let's go get sushi. Like, thank you for making that decision. You're right. We don't want to cook tonight. And so stuff like that, he's really been using his assertion, which is continuously deep medicine for me to let him use his assertion and to make decisions that I have nothing to do with. So real live example. (laughs) For sure. One that, of course, 
fellow, like you've said a couple times, Leo leader, <laughs> alpha woman, manifester in human design. I, yep. people, you know, ask me about myself, how I describe myself. I'm like, it's, it's in any chart, any, any <laughs> quiz or assessment I could take, it says I lead. <laughs> so yep. it's I'm not just <laughs> what I want. It's my destiny. So it's like in there, how do I fulfill my life's purpose and the way that I best move in the world and move the world while also being able to be in partnership where I I'm allowing myself to get given what I so deeply desire, which is to rest. This is, he is my home. This is, this is my, my place to take a break, to set all that stuff down to go to my love and allow for him to envelop me in his energy. And it's just, it's a beautiful journey and it is so challenging at times. And when I can like let all the, you know, set the armor down at the door and I can actually breathe and go into his space and allow him to take me on, on a journey or through an experience or even just hold me. I am fueled for my mission. When I also want to battle him and control him and do, you know, move his world around for him in the ways that I see, because I believe my perspectives are the best. You can't possibly know what's good for you because I do, you know, like when I do that, it's incredibly, um, it, it, it affects our polarity in such yeah. huge ways. And then that affects our relationship at large. Then I'm not, I'm going into the world and I'm, you know, when it comes to my purpose work, I'm not, my tank is empty in a sense. So I'm, I'm, you know, running on fumes, trying to do the thing in the world that I'm built for because I am not able to get replenished in my partnership. So it feels that that's, yeah in some ways, what, what y'all have going on too, maybe a little bit different than that, but yeah. Parenting versus partnering. That's been deep medicine for me, for both of us. I was like, am I parenting right now? And if I am, would he want to fuck his parent? Yeah, no. (laughs) Noted. Like that's like both of our, like, our, like the voice of like, does he want to fuck me right now? If I talk like this, not at all. Great. So I'm going to go back to being a partner and not parent. Yeah. Oh, that's gold. That's yeah. for sure gold. Where did, is that from something or did you hear that over the years? I've just been, over the years, I've just been like, I think my mom always says that, like, are you parenting or partnering each other? And we're like, hmm, hmm, we are. Yeah, like it, it's just something I've always heard and it's always been the back of my head. So we, and we'll kind of like lovingly be like, hey, in this moment, are you parenting or partnering right now? Like, touche. Uh-huh. Touche. I am yeah. definitely parenting you right now. My I bad. Take one big step back. <laughs> I will take yeah. a breath. I will put my husband hat on and I will reapproach it works the bench. Really well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It works very quickly. Uh, so good. So uh, we're nearing the end of our time together. And I have so thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Taylor, thank you so much for having it with me. I would love to hear maybe, and I think I'm more or less asked this question, but I'm curious if I ask it this way, if something different may come up, but 
through your sexual expression, through leaning into dark feminine, light feminine, that whole journey of reclamation, kind of phoenix rising, all of that, finding your partner, and then really choosing to look at your sexual expression and your sexuality as a way to grow and then also alchemize, heal all those, you know, fancy spiritual healing buzzwords. Uh, what does your life look like now? How do you look mm-hmm. at your sex and healing in this whole process in unique ways? Um, and what are you curious about as far as like funneling that into your future? Oh, juicy question. At this point in my life, it like all blends together. And that's like a really cool fucking place to be of what I learn through sex with myself, with, with Johnny. I'm like, oh yeah, this correlates with that. I can teach something around this. So it's like my entire world is like one big swirl of what I'm learning, like what I'm learning about. And where I'm at with my sexual liberation, I'm really at a place where I, I've never like, once I healed my like ability to like want to fit in and be liked by people and morph, like those days are over. I'm at a place where I truly don't give a fuck how people perceive me. But I, I say that with love. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't give a fuck how you think about me. And they're like, no, no, no. Like I love myself so much and I've done so much fucking work on myself that like I truly with love, do not give a fuck how people perceive me. And that is so liberating because that allows me to go into the depths. And, and when I I feel like I'm in a, an archetype or an energy where I'm being a little bitchy and like, just in a mood, I'm going to be that mood. Like I'm going to be around a girlfriend. I might like just not be a ray of sunshine. And that's okay. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, it's really cool to see the friends that I have and like, even the clients that are all people who, who are mirroring that and accepting that they're going to get whatever fucking version of who I be in every fucking moment. And there's going to be no, I'm sorry, unless I'm, you know, a bitch and have to really take responsibility, two different things, but it, it's really, really cool. And then to attract clients who, who want that who want the depth, who want like, yeah, like I want to traverse that just feels so fucking freeing. And in the future, I, I know for me, it's, it's going to be including medicine work. And I've, I've always, I've already done so much medicine work with myself. And so I'm eager to see what that looks like medicine for Johnny and I together medicine through retreat work. Um, I know that's the next layer of how I support myself and other people is including now external modalities in a very sacred way to go even deeper into the feminine. Mm. And when you say medicine for those that are like, is that Robitussin or Advil (laughs) or penicillin? (laughs) Some ibuprofen. This is um, like psilocybin, um, ayahuasca, um, bufo. I don't facilitate or deliver these. These are something that I hold space for, for experts who that is their, their, their passion. Um, but yeah, bufo, ayahuasca, psilocybin, um, San Pedro. That's definitely my, my, like, I, I always joke, like I am the vibration of Wachuma. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. So more of that. There you go. Okay. Well, I wanted that little tiny taste of clarity because, you know, some people, we have a whole spectrum of people that listen to this show. They just say medicine, talking about drugs. (laughs) What are they talking about over here? 
not quite. Um, yeah, you know, we're not holding ceremonial space for a methamphetamine experience. Uh, no, not quite. Yum. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just everybody running around really fast, trying to get things done. Uh, no, no. So we're talking about sacred plant medicine, ancient plant medicines. Uh, and I recently did Wachuma, sat with Wachuma for the first time. So, and that was, I was a little nervous for a 14 hour experience, though I, well, no, I was just straight up nervous for a 14 hour experience. I'm like, I don't know if, I don't know how I act with this one. I don't, you know, it was new. And throughout the whole experience, I was like, wow, I think Wachuma and I get along. So I also, cause there's some, there's some substances that and plant medicines and different medicines that I have taken where I'm like, I don't think I agree with this one, you know, where like my energy and my vibration and its energy and its vibration, it, it's kind of uh, clunky clashing. Yeah. It's like not yeah, quite yeah, right. Not and match. then the whole time I was, you know, uh, having my Wachuma experience in Peru, I was like, I think I like her. Well, her, him, grandfather. I think I him. like, I like yeah. it. I think I like it. I think this substance Beautiful. and I get along. So, um, yeah, plant medicines, it's a whole other subject and conversation, which I said towards the beginning of our show, <laughs> sex and psychedelics are just the most fascinating things to me. Well, really okay. what's underneath sex and psychedelics is individual personal growth is fascinating to me. And you can get so far with talk therapy and you can get so far with different types of therapy modalities, EMDR, uh, different kinds of modalities that are to support healing, whether it's acupuncture or sound healing or like the, the list goes really on and on and on. Uh, and then also underneath the like personal development, self-healing is things like psychedelics and sex and all of that. But I, and travel even. And out of all of it, and my listeners have heard me say this over and over again, out of all the things that have taught me about myself, sex is by far the thing that has taught me the most. Because how I show up, who I show up, and it's just, it always tells me where's the next, what's the next thing for me to work on, the next blind spot, the thing where, you know, where I'm holding myself back, where I'm not allowing myself to have pleasure, where I'm not deepening in love with myself and my partnership. Sex continuously helps me recalibrate. And it for sure at times when I'm ignoring it, I feel lost. And so, and, and what's great about it is I can just go right back into it and go, oh, here you are. Here's what's real. So love, 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 oh, love, love. Agreed. Yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah. So good. So delicious. I know, I know. Our stories, they, they, uh, I love hearing yours. Like I mentioned before, other people's stories differently are different to yours, though. They probably find themselves in you. I am certainly one of those people. And I'm sure in my story, you feel the same fellow Leo sister. And, uh, oh. and I don't know what sign Johnny is. Do you know what sign Johnny is? Scorpio. Oh, he's a Scorpio. So, and I think Scorpio's yeah. water. Yep. I mean, I'm yep. thinking, yes. water. Um, and yep. Jordan has, I don't know. I think his rising might be Scorpio. He's an Aries. So it. we have a lot it. of, we have a lot oh, of fire. He's an Aries that makes, yeah, he's an Aries. He's the first yeah. fire. Like, and, yeah, and I'm cool with it. it. I'm like, like, you just right run. <laughs> you run, you go first. I don't need to be first. I'm the leader regardless. Oh, you know, it's, yeah, that's, our, like, mm. <laughs> that's our home. So anyway, we just love you both so much. Um, thank you for sharing your story on the show and outside of the show. Thank you for sharing your work. The fact that, you know, when you mentioned the wounded healer, healer in general, 
there's some people, you know, many billions of people on the planet, well, maybe billions people on the planet will choose a path of personal development and personal growth. The vast majority of people on the planet will not ever choose to take a, a step in that direction. Not even just that they won't choose, they won't know it's available. For whatever the reason, they won't know that it exists and they won't know that it's available. And so within the people who do choose it, there's a very, very small percentage of people that go on their own journey and know pretty quickly, I'm meant to teach this. I'm meant to share this. And so here's a personal thank you for you heeding the call and sharing your wisdom and your authenticity and your fucks whether you give them or you don't, uh, and helping women all over the world because you are, you know, you have a global brand, helping women all over the world, which also affects their partnerships, integrate and play with all the aspects of who they are. It's so needed, so grateful to know you. And of course, again, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It was a total fucking pleasure. I see you. Thank you. And I see you too, lady. All right. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to take all your links to things, Instagram and anything that you want to share with our audience will be in the show notes so they know where to find you. Until next time, that sex chick listeners, love you. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you loved it, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And if you extra, extra loved it, make sure to leave a five-star review. I'll see y'all next week.